Hello, you mindful mamas, and welcome back to another episode of the Enlightened Hood Podcast, where I share real motherhood stories and empower the soul of the mother through mindfulness and spirituality. I'm your host, Lena Lemos. Today's episode is very near and dear to my heart. I am talking with digital doula, Nicole Joy. And one of the first things that Nicole and I connected on is that she had three very different birth stories. And throughout her journey of becoming a mother three times, she was able to empower her own birth. And as a result, started to help other mothers to be and new moms. And now she works as a digital doula, inspiring women all around the world. And she brings up two very good and thoughtful and insightful points that I just want you to think about while you listen to this episode. And the first one is, were you an energetic match for your birth? And the more I think about it, the more I unpack my own birth story, the more I realize there's a lot of truth in that, but sometimes it's really hard to look in the mirror. And the second thing she says that I just, I've been thinking about so much since our conversation is that the way that our children come into this world is going to affect them energetically. And how can we heal them as mothers and just make sure that they know that they are loved no matter what way they came earthside. So here's Nicole. Tell me about your three birth stories, because I know they're all so different. And that's one of the first things you told me about. And I, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I just have to know more because of just the transition you went through of motherhood. Totally. So um, yeah, I've had three completely different birth experiences. And to give like a quick preview of what that looks like, um, my first was a planned C-section. And then my second was a vaginal birth after cesarean. So a VBAC in the hospital with an epidural. Uh, and then my third was an accidental home birth, um, on the bedroom floor, which it was a planned natural VBAC. Um, but I did not plan to give birth at home unassisted. So, um, that's kind of a preview. So to explain it a little bit more, uh, when I got pregnant with my first, I was working for a real estate finance company. So we managed large commercial real estate investment funds. Mm -hmm. And I was really into my career, loving my job. You know, I just thought that that was my thing. I was traveling for work and just having a lot of fun, making really good money. Um, and I wasn't really sure. I had no real knowledge about birth. Like my family had a bunch of C-sections. Most of my friends around me had either C-sections or had an epidural and basically said that birth was easy. They just got an epidural and they didn't feel anything. And that's that. Um, and so I, I had no idea and I never learned anything about birth, never took any classes because I just, I really didn't feel like I needed to be bothered by sitting through classes at the library or, you know, at the mm -hmm. hospital. I thought that it just sounded not enticing at all to me. So when I neared the end of my first pregnancy, and I was actually, I should back up a little bit and tell you that I had probably undiagnosed tocophobia, which is like a real extreme fear of birth. You know, during my first pregnancy, like I was so afraid of it that I wouldn't watch birth videos. I didn't want to hear stories. It just freaked me out. And I just felt like, okay, I'm going to doctors. I trust that they'll know what's in my best interest, which by the way, is a really bad plan. Uh, <laughs> but I just didn't know. I, I just didn't know. And you don't know what you don't know. And yep. so towards the end of my pregnancy, um, I started, you know, one of the providers that was in the rotation who was like this 
very famous doctor in my town really. And she measured my stomach, you know, she did the the measurement and she's like, you know, your baby is measuring to be like eight to 10 pounds. And so we really need to go ahead and just plan your C-section. And I panicked and I didn't know any better. And I thought, well, that makes sense. Cause I was a big baby. I was nine pounds, 12 ounces. Wow. And my husband is a big man. And so I thought, yeah, she's got to be right. Like, this is probably a huge baby. My stomach felt huge. And I thought there's no way I can fit a big baby through my vagina. Like it just, there's no way I didn't understand the the body process either. I didn't Mm -hmm. know. So I was like, okay, so I planned my C-section. I'm kind of panicking, but I trusted that she knew what was in my best interest. And, um, the day before my planned C-section, my water broke. And so when my water broke and I called, they said, just come in. So when I got there, they just did my C-section. And so I had my C-section and I, it went very smoothly. Um, thank goodness. You know, I didn't have any complications, um, physical complications, but there was a lot of emotional, I think, trauma, you know, that I might not have had words for yet at the time. Um, and there was things that I didn't realize, you know, I I was totally unprepared for contractions for my water breaking. So when that all happened, I kind of went into panic mode. Um, Mm -hmm. I started having contractions within about a half an hour of my water breaking and I just panicked. I didn't have any coping mechanisms. I didn't know how to manage So I just thought, get me to the hospital now so I can just put my, you know, my struggles in a professional's hands um, and fit, you know, just do this thing. I don't know what to do. So the panic mode is really, it's really not a great situation to be in because then you can't really help yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, after the C-section, there was things that I didn't realize. I didn't realize that I would feel so dopey. I didn't realize that, you know, the drugs that they give you for a C-section can also will sometimes the mixture of drugs can make you feel just disoriented. And I felt so out of it and I had no control over like the strength, even in my arms. And I was shaking so bad that like when I wanted, when they went to give me my son to hold him, I was like, I can't hold him. You know, I'm going to drop him. And I, I was shaking and I, so I didn't hold him right away because I was scared. Um, I didn't trust my arms and I was just so out of it that I didn't even really realize what was going on. And there wasn't adequate staffing at the hospital that day. So my son had to go to the nursery right away and sit in the nursery while I was in recovery. And I was so doped that I didn't know, I didn't realize for a couple of hours what was going on. So a few hours later, I kind of like woke up in my room and I was like to my boyfriend, we're now married, but then boyfriend, I'm like, where are we? And he's like, we're in the room. What do you mean? I'm like, how did we get up here? And he, like, I didn't remember surgery hardly. Like, I'm like, how did we get up here? And he said, they just rolled you up here. You don't, you don't remember. And I was so out of it. And I'm like, where's the baby? And he's like, well, he's in the nursery. And I said by himself. And I just start panicking. And, you know, I felt a lot of shame and I just felt like he's by himself. He's sitting there crying. He's hungry. I don't know what he's doing. You know, I need him. I need the baby. And it had been probably three hours. So I had a lot of, you know, as the next couple of years went by, I just started really like processing that experience and realizing how, um, hard it might, it must've been for my poor baby to like not be with his mother right after birth. And it felt very shameful for me. And, you know, it was a hard thing. And so when we decided to get pregnant with my second, I didn't even, I just assumed once a C-section, always a C-section and we mm-hmm. moved 
by the way, like we had since moved to the Midwest and we were living in Chicago. My first was born in Florida. My second was in Illinois. So I was in Chicago and it's a very different birth world. And so my provider there said, you know, you're a candidate for a VBAC. And I'm like, what is that? I've never even heard of that. Um, so I went and started doing all this research and studying and spent a lot of time crying and thinking about what, if that was something I wanted to do. And so I decided that I was going to plan my vaginal birth, which freaked me out. So this time I took a different approach and just studied every single thing under the sun. Um, and I wanted to talk to anybody who I could reach about their VBAC, which this was only like, see, she's three years old. So maybe three and a half years ago. And even just three and a half years ago, it was much more difficult to find people talking about, about VBAC. Um, like there was some information on the internet that you could read about like statistics, Mm -hmm. but to actually talk to people, it was much more difficult. There wasn't as much of it. So I found what I could and just immersed myself in it. And I was scared, um, and excited. And, and I just, I started working on my spirituality And I started to kind of get in touch with, um, you know, my connection to kind of, you know, the divine and just really going inward more and started meditating, Mm -hmm. working on my visualization and, you know, um, things like that. And I visualized a lot during my second pregnancy, what my birth would be like. And so I kind of would lay there like really replaying this movie over and over and over again in my head of how this ideal birth would go. And so, um, I hired a doula for the first time. I didn't even know what that was before. So I learned about doulas. I'm like, yep, I want that. I want a birth coach. I need somebody there who's been in a VBAC before who gets it. And I found this amazing lady and I wanted a epidural um, cause I wasn't ready to have a natural birth. I wasn't ready for that. So I made my little birth plan in my head and I had ideas. And when the day came, I went into labor and again, just like before my water broke within 30 minutes, my contractions started. Um, and they were very intense. They, I pretty much jumped right into active labor. My contractions are like right on top of each other. So I wanted to labor at home for a while. I, I sat in the tub for a long time, probably a few hours. And my husband kept trying to get me out of the tub to go into the hospital. Um, it was a Friday afternoon in downtown Chicago, um, on a holiday weekend on a Lollapalooza weekend. Oh my God. (laughs) So it was a zoo. And he's like, Nicole, we really need to go like right now. Like we really need to go like right now. We and I did not want to get out of the tub. I was in like hardcore, like Zen. I was, the lights were off in the bathroom. I had my music playing and I was just managing my contractions on my own. So I listened, you know, eventually and I got dressed and the transition to the hospital was very challenging in the car by myself. Um, my husband was driving, but I was, you know, it was almost 45 minutes to go like three miles in downtown. Oh my God. I know we were only three miles from the, from the hospital, but I said a lot of mean things to my husband, you know, like I was screaming at him and just, cause I was fine in the tub, but that transition really messed me up. Um, you know, not, not transition like labor term, but transitioning from the tub to the hospital. So, and I got really angry when they wanted to weigh me in triage. Cause I'm like, I was just here like yesterday and I don't have time or energy to be weighed. Like just give me the epidural, you know? 
So I labored for probably, um, I don't know, about five hours or so without the epidural. And then when I got it, I relaxed and I did all the things. And my, my doula met me at the hospital and she provided some comfort measures. And, um, and I ended up having a vaginal birth. I pushed for like two hours. Um, I did not tear and I was so excited and I had a nine pound, four ounce baby. Wow. And I was like, okay, um, I have to tell the whole world that what my vagina just did. Like, I couldn't believe it. I was just in so much shock and it was the most powerful, like healing thing. Um, and I had a really rough pregnancy too. So my, I don't know if I had told you this before, but like my little brother, one of my little brothers passed away while I was pregnant with that one, with number two. Oh, wow. So it was like really just, there were so many emotional challenges but that day was just this huge, powerful healing experience for me. And I just knew that like, okay, I can never go back to real estate finance now. Like I just can't not now. And, um, I thought we were done having kids. <laughs> I never, I always, after every kid, I'd tell my husband like, okay, we're good. Right. Like we're done. You know? And I just assume we know that we're done. And then somehow, you know, later he's like, well, and I'm like, well, and then, <laughs> you know, we got pregnant with our third. And this time I was already kind of exploring the birth world and already kind of working with moms and, you know, getting into that. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to have a natural birth. And a lot of people said I was crazy. We had moved back to Florida and in Florida, natural births are not nearly as common as even they were in Chicago. I mean, as a whole in, in the United States, I don't think they're very common. Um, the statistics, they're becoming more common, but you know, a lot of people looked at me like I had three heads when I said that. Um, so I almost felt like I had to like hide it from most people and just not tell mm -hmm. all my plans. Um, but I also very much so manifested a birth experience. And throughout this pregnancy, I was like, creating class curriculum for the moms that I support in my work now, but it was also like the kind of classes and the information that I needed as a student who was preparing mm -hmm. for a natural birth, you know, and I needed to hear the things that I was telling people. So I started creating these programs. And one of the classes I taught was called daddy doula. It was like a daddy doula workshop. Um, later I changed the name of it because I didn't want to be a real, you know, I, did, I wanted to be more inclusive and not a, an a-hole. So I changed the name of it later. But during that pregnancy, I taught daddy doula. And um, for that birth, I studied hypnobabies throughout my pregnancy. Um, I don't think I was a very good student at hypnobabies because I couldn't stay awake for any of the meditations. Like I was just falling asleep every time I turned them on. Um, and I had to use a lot of words like pain and contractions, like words you're not really supposed to use if you're really studying hypnosis type of birth thing. But I had to use that language because a lot of the moms that I was working with, that's the language that they recognized and they mm -hmm. weren't necessarily studying to have planning to have natural births. So I was like, well, you know, whatever, it's okay. So the day of, I went into labor, I actually went to 41 weeks pregnant and the mental challenge that comes with the end of pregnancy is one thing, but then the mental challenge, I call it the mind F that comes, that's unique to a VBAC mom. is just, it's a little bit different because, you know, 
for me, I was 35 or older. So I was considered, you know, advanced maternal age. I went past, you know, that, that window. So once you're 41 weeks, usually an induction is suggested. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, and so there's all these things. And at my 41 week appointment, one of the doctors, not the midwives came in and she said, Oh, so hi, Nicole, I'm Dr. So-and-so good to meet you. Um, so you're over 35. Yes. And you're 41 weeks today. Yes. And she's like, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and suggest you have an induction because you know, and she starts spitting out numbers about risks of increased chances of having a stillborn baby and all these things that are really frightening to hear as a mom. Um, you're, you know, you have lesser chance of having a feedback, you know? Um, so I very, kindly turned that down and was like, you know, I, I'm good. You know, I turned down a vaginal exam. I turned down knowing the baby's size estimate because that used to mess with me. Um, I was afraid of the size. So that day at my doctor's appointment, I think they thought I was the biggest pain in the ass they'd probably ever seen. And I'm like, I'm not trying to be mean. It's just that none of those things are going to help me today. You know, I don't need to know any of that. And I don't need to be induced. Like, this is just, this is where I'm at. I want to make sure the baby's okay. Make sure she's thriving. As long as she's healthy and I'm healthy, I'm going to walk out and I'll see you in four days. That was kind of our tentative plan. And I went home and had some lunch and then my water broke like right away. And so I was like, okay. Um, and again, just like before, within like 30 minutes, my contractions got going um, right on top of each other. And I got my husband in, or- in order. I reached out to my doula. I hired a birth doula again. So I let her know that I was in labor and she was going to head over. Um, I told my husband basically to do the things that I had told him to do, like how to doula me, um, which he kind of did. Um but he kind you know, he, he did his best. So I was kind of doulaing him through how to doula me. Um, and long story short, you know, I kind of went back and forth from like rocking on my ball to sitting on the toilet, to getting in the bathtub, to getting back on the toilet. And next thing I know her head is like right there. Um, and so I told my husband like, okay, help me get on the floor. I need to get on the floor and I want to be in the bedroom. So he helped me like move from the toilet to my bedroom floor on the yoga mat. And I'm like, I want to lay on my side and bring me pillows and bring me my peanut ball. And, you know, so he got me all set up and, you know, I birthed her head and he called, um, he had our nanny was here that day with my two-year-old. So our nanny called the ambulance. So they showed up like right as I was birthing her head, as did my doula. So they kind of got there as right around the time I was giving, you know, birthing the baby's head. Cause you know, they do like the turtle thing where their head goes mm-hmm. in, and out, in and out, in and out. And then when they came, they're like, you know, they kind of took a more medical approach and tried to intervene. And I remember just feeling, um, like I know what I want. I know what I'm doing. I didn't come this far for you to come in and bring this medical approach to my birth. So I had my eyes closed a lot when I was pushing and I suddenly like felt one of their hands and I just remembered yelling, like, get your hand out of my vagina. Like I, you know, because I felt it and it doesn't feel very good to have a hand in your vagina if you haven't had an epidural. (laughs) And he's like, whoa, whoa, okay, okay. And, you know, I just, and then when the baby came out and they're like, okay. And I saw like scissors or something coming, a scalpel, something coming to cut the cord. And I remember again, that feeling of like that total mama bear instinct. And I'm like, get away from her. Don't touch it. You know, cause I wanted to delay cord clamping. Um, so I know that's kind of a really abbreviated version, but yeah, I ended up, you know, having her on the bedroom floor and I got the lift to the hospital from the ambulance, which was cool because I did have some hemorrhaging. 
um, which can ha- you're more likely to have hemorrhaging if you have a rapid labor. Um, and so that was considered a rapid labor because it was under three hours. Well, anything under six hours, right, is considered rapid labor. And mine was just under three hours. So it was kind of a wild ride. Um, but it was also, you know, when I looked back on it, like I, I really um, kind of manifested an experience like that. <laughs> At what point throughout, I think it was more in between your last two babies where you really started to find your stride in helping others with birth and empowering your birth story and helping other women like be who you needed during your first birth. So what did that journey look like as to where you are now? So I, I left my job um, when my second baby, about three months after I had my, my first feedback. So my second kid, um, because I realized that that was such a powerful experience that I knew that there was something shifting in me, but I didn't know what it was yet. And I didn't know what my role would be yet. I just needed to make a change. And I knew that if I kept spending all the hours I was spending at my job, I wouldn't be able to explore that. And so, and I also wanted to spend more time with my baby. Um, we were still living in Chicago. So I left my job and I started just kind of exploring and doing that, that thing. And during that time, we moved back to Florida and we actually started going to a church. Um, for the record, we don't go there anymore, but we did for a short time just to kind of test out some options for our family to see what would work with us. And when we went to church one day, actually the first time we went to that church, there was a lady that my husband knew that was there and she was pregnant with her second. And she told me she was having a C-section, another planned C-section because she had already had a C-section before. And I, I started talking to her and I felt, I realized that I had like word vomit, um, that I couldn't stop myself when she started talking. And when she told, when I told her I had had a VBAC and she said, I have no idea what that is. And I've never met anybody who's ever done that. What are you talking about? And I like later when I, I realized like when that feeling I got, when I was talking to her, that's something I had never felt before you know, things made me feel excited and I had fun doing things and I enjoyed all these things, but that, like that feeling, I was like, okay, that's something I can't ignore. There's something there. So that was kind of a big turning point for me was that first day that we went to that church and that conversation with her. Um, and so once we had that conversation, I really started to explore what seemed fun in the birth world to me and being a doula sounded like something that I really liked the idea of doing. Um, and then to shift it a little, a little more to how I got into the digital role of it or kind of creating, cause not there's, there's some virtual doulas, but not very many. I think birth doula is what we all are more familiar with and mm-hmm. birth doula work, um, sounds absolutely incredible, but for the ages of my children and, you know, my family lifestyle right now, it would be really challenging for me to be physically at a birth for what could be, you know, days really. Um, there's doulas who spend like two, three days at a birth and that would be really hard with young children for me and my family. So, but I really wanted to still have that, that feeling that I got with that lady at church. So I was like, well, you know, what if I wasn't their birth doula? What if I worked with them virtually, you know, and provide support and information and education and empowerment. And so that's how I kind of just started to create a path that felt right, you know? And has now that you're on this path and you're empowering other women and you're inspiring other women, has it kind of helped heal that first birth story and helped you find empowerment in that? 
Yeah, it has, because I didn't even know that I needed healing from it before I started working with other women too. And started, you know, because this process of like getting into the digital doula space for me, I've done a lot of healing for myself and that whole process of, you know, the entrepreneurial, um, road and working with these women and this whole thing has just, they, the lines kind of get blended and blurred and it's created, you know, this opportunity for me to heal from that first birth because opening up about it and talking about it and hearing other people say, thank you for sharing that because I felt like that too. It, you know, it allowed me to heal too. Like it was for all of, it was really for them and for me, you know? Yeah, I think it's amazing. And I hear this so much and I've had a very similar experience in my first birth where I went into it not knowing anything really and also just felt so turned off by, oh, go to this mom's class, the hospital or take this birthing class. It just didn't feel an alignment and it just felt like I was kind of blindly navigating and just being like, okay, I guess I'm just going to trust what the doctors are telling me. But then it was also this weird thing where I just kind of felt like herded cattle where I'd go and they'd weigh me, measure myself and be like, okay, everything's good. Okay. See you in two weeks. Bye. Yeah. And not having that sense of empowerment or education, I think was extremely lacking in my pregnancy. And I know a lot of women, I'm sure feel the same. I used to think that when people said stuff like meet me where I'm at, or they met, you know, meet your, meet people where they're at. I never really understood what that meant um, until I started to. And so one thing I want to bring into that, this type, this part of the conversation too, is like, I was an energetic match at, you know, for where I was. So my, I Mm -hmm. feel this is for me and I can't speak for everybody, but I know for me, um, I was an energetic match for that C-section and that birth experience met me where I was at, at that point in my life. You know, I wasn't ready. Like I just was not ready. Um, uh, emotionally to have a natural vaginal birth. I wasn't like, that was not something that I could even fathom. If you would have told me then that one day I would have a vaginal, a natural vaginal birth, no drugs, I would have looked at you like you were a crazy person. Um, I would have definitely probably called you crazy too. I just like vibrationally, my vibration was operating that I was ready for a C-section. That was what I was around. That was what I was comfortable with. My mom had four children. I mean, sorry, five children, four of which were C-sections. My sister had three C-sections. A lot of my girlfriends, like that's what I knew. And that's what I felt comfortable around, even though it's a very serious procedure um, and and a life-saving, you know, procedure in a lot of ways, but it to me, like vibrationally, that's where I was at. And so when the doctor mentioned it or, or really, you know, suggested it, and that was her suggestion for, as my provider, I felt like, right, of course. And it just felt like scary, but also that's where I was at. And so when they say, you know, meet you where you're at, that's where it started to come into play for me. Um, because then with all of the growth that I had personally, through my second and up to my second birth, vibrationally, I changed, you know, my vibration was different. And so I was ready, you know, I was ready for a vaginal birth. I wasn't yet ready to be natural. Like I still wanted an epidural, but that's where I was at. And so, 
you know, it met me, my birth met me where I was at again. And then with my third, like, again, I went through more growth. And so my vibration again changed. And then when it was time to have that natural birth, I was ready and like, it met me there. Um, and so I know, I don't know that that's the same for everybody. And this is something relatively new that I've just started thinking about and processing on my own. Um, and it might be a little bit out there for some people, but for me, I know that that's, that's true. And I also feel like, had I not had that birth experience the way I did, I don't, I think I needed that to be able to go through all these other things to, to have this passion and drive for what I do, you know? Yeah, no, I completely get that. And I actually think it's so true, but it's also hard to look in that mirror, especially if you had a bad birth experience and to say, okay, what was my vibration? I mean, because as you were saying that I was going through my birth story and thinking, I had a very rough third trimester. My morning sickness came back. I just felt so alone and depressed and I was just ready for it to be over because I knew what was on the other side was going to be so much better. So when my doctor, like yours, just said, we're going to induce you because I went past my due date too. I was just like, okay, let's just get this over with because I'm just ready to be done. And it's so true. It energetically matched where I was at to just do get it over with almost instead of waiting for the, for everything to happen as it was supposed to. I think it's okay to like acknowledge that our human reaction to that is like, well, at least for me was like, Nicole, you were such a dummy. Like you were so uneducated and what a dumb idea and blah, 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 you know, and you could beat yourself up over it. And I did, I did my fair share of dragging myself through the dirt. Um, but then like my higher self, my best, my best self looks at the old Nicole and is like, you know what? I have compassion for you because you know, that's just where you were. And that's, and you did the best with what you knew. Mm-hmm. And had a lot of stuff coming at you with your first pregnancy. Like there's just, it's emotional overwhelm. You know, there's information overload and there's a lot of changes that are occurring and it's really challenging to navigate that, especially if you don't have, um, even if you have the best support around, but if, if you don't, you know, and like not a lot of people do. And back then I really didn't like, I have a much better support system now in terms of people that are like aligned with me, but back then I didn't. And you know, the people that I was around, like I had my boyfriend and, you know, I had some family members around, but not people that really understood this conversation. So like I did my fair share, beat myself up, but then I decided to not do that. And I decided to be like, you know what? she was who she was and she did what she, the best she knew at the time. And like, that's okay. You know? Yeah. I think compassion is such a good word for it. And just knowing how you needed to have that experience to grow yeah, and to find your purpose and to have, to have all the tools and the knowledge that you have now. Yeah. I mean, and I'll, I'll say too, like, this is kind of going a little bit off topic, but you know, I know that your audience is probably, probably has some mothers who have children already. And, you know, I even have gone so far as to, and this is more recently, but to really look at, uh, my firstborn and his, how his birth may have affected him, you know, and mm. his behavior because he's at an age now where you can start to see, you know, he's not a baby baby. So like he's, he's almost six. And so you can start to see like things about him that I'm like, okay, you know, and I think about their birth experiences, how different all three of them were. And it's not that he, he's not a bad kid at all, but there's things energetically that, you know, are, were absolutely impacted by his birth. You know, he got, he was not, he was like, I don't want to say, 
he was almost like forced out of my womb by surgery and may not have even needed that. And that's got to have felt to him, you know, I can't speak for him, but I can't imagine what it would have felt like as this poor little baby who is like, oh, whoa, hello world. Like, you know, and I mean, C-sections, I'm not knocking them. They are incredibly life-saving things for us in that situation. It just may have been traumatic for him. And so I try to think of what trauma as a baby he may have felt from that day and then being separated from me and his dad and not knowing what the hell was going on for a few hours. Like that might have been traumatic. And I've cried a lot of tears over like feeling guilty about what I may have put my poor baby through and how that continues to affect him. But I've also gone on to be like, okay, you know, that was not ideal, but you know what? It doesn't mean that our relationship is this or that. Like I've been able to do work with him energetically to try to help him heal, you know, whatever he's felt. And sometimes that's as simple as me having the conversation with him and telling him like, you know, buddy, like I loved you so much when you were in my tummy. I loved you so, so much when you came out. I love you more every day. Like just making sure I'm pouring that message and that love into him so that he knows that whatever may be there, that we can heal it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's such an important thing to consider. Yeah. I I fear that with my daughter because I wasn't, when they induced me, I stopped dilating after four centimeters and they came in and broke my water with like, it literally looked like a yardstick that they just broke it with. And I can only imagine how scary that must've been for my daughter. And then she ended up going to the bathroom in the womb and they had to suck it all out of her lungs when she came out, which I can only imagine was from being startled from that. Yeah. So yeah, that's a something absolutely to consider, especially as they grow and you see how that could energetically affect them. Yeah. And you can do energy work. I mean, you can do healing work with her too. And, you know, I have a spiritual mentor that I work with. So she kind of guides me through doing this kind of work with, um, with my son and my other two, but right now I've been really focusing on him. Um, and as his mother, you know, I can, I can, you know, normally you'd like, I wouldn't do energy work on some, like an adult without consent and stuff like that, but he's my son. And so because I'm his mother and he's my son, like I can do it on him without being like, Hey son, can I do this energy healing on you? Uh, And I start to talk to him about it and explain to him what it is. And he's kind of starting to ask questions and understand it. And that's cool, but I can do it when he's sleeping, you know, and I can start to work on his energy a little bit. And I think that, um, I, well, I know it's been helping. Um, and I know that it's healing those things in him because I don't want, I, I didn't want him to carry that, that trauma. And then not just for him, but to carry it into his own life, you know, and, and carry it forward too. I wanted it to like end and stop so that he can feel free from it. Um, and I think it's brought us closer, even like we've always been close. He's my son. He's my firstborn. Um, but I think it's been helping, you know, I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. I think it's, it's definitely a new perspective on the relationship we have with our kids. And if we all believe that they chose us knowing that we have the tools within us to help them heal in this lifetime too. Uh, yeah, I just got chills. Cause I, for so long, I used to wonder like, what is it that he's here to teach me? You know, it's, but it's coming together and it doesn't all fall into place. Like you don't get all, I didn't get all the answers at once. You know, it's taking time. I mean, he's five and a half, he'll be six in a few months. And like, I'm still, still trying to figure all that out. Like there's little pieces, you know, I I understand little, little bits and pieces at a time. Um, And it's interesting too, because like my second child, like 
I think about the environment in her birth room when she was born. Like I have a picture from my labor from my first feedback and the picture my doula took it. I'm sitting there pushing. And so I look like, you know, really intense and I'm like pushing this baby out. I had the epidural, so I wasn't in pain, but it's still hard work even with an epidural. And I've got like everybody around me, my midwife, some of her nurses, um, my husband, they're all like laughing hysterically. It looks like everybody's laughing at some big joke, but the whole labor was like that. Like everybody was having such a good time. And my two-year-old, she is like a ray of sunshine. Well, she just turned three. She's like, she is light. Like she walks into a room and it is just light. It's so not strange, but just interesting. Like when I open her bedroom door in the morning, if she's awake sitting there, she'll say, hi, mommy, it's going to be a beautiful day or something like that. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. Wow. Like, who are you? (laughs) And I'm like, well, you know, her birth room was like, she came into the world with like happy and light and brightness. And like, that's what she came into, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's, they're very different. Oh, that gave me goosebumps. What an amazing thing to walk into. Man, she does every time. Even when I wake her up from her nap, I'm like, hi, honey, how was your rest? And she goes, it was great. I had a great rest and it's going to be a beautiful afternoon. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) yeah. Uh, And the baby, I I haven't even figured her out yet because she just came into the world with such a, like on her own time and like, listen, I'm going to run this shit. And you guys are all just here for the ride. So we are along for her ride. That I don't know yet. <laughs> oh my goodness. What three different little souls you have. They are. They are. Yeah. That's going to be really fun seeing them grow with each other and, and balancing. Know, and I'm like I'm starting to explore understanding their design types too. And, mm-hmm. you know, starting to get into a little bit like mine, but also theirs and starting to explore that, especially for my oldest. Like I don't have a ton of time right now because I am a mom of three and I am running a business, but it's important to me. And so like I started with my son because I wanted to really work on him and his healing. And so I've, you know, I, I've been learning about that, but I think it's helping me to, from a parenting perspective, to parent him you know, kind of in a very complimentary way for his design type, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think that like we are told by society that like, if a kid does this, he's bad and that's it. And I just don't, I'm just not buying that as an answer. Like he's not a cow being, you know, he's not a sheep and, you know, hurting the sheep. Like everybody's so different and I wanted to understand him so much more. And so, um, I just wasn't satisfied with that as the final answer. So I've been, that's something new that I've been working on with him. I'm starting with him to, to, you know, adjust my parenting to him. And so far it's going really well. So I'm going to continue down that path because I have to be very different. I am very different in the way I approach all three kids because they are just like, they're just so very different, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something so important that mindfulness teaches us of being present, but also being conscious of who you're being present with and how we relate to them. And it's so important for our kids to have that same relationship with us. And what lens you're seeing a situation through, you know, and that's something I've been working on for myself too, is, um, trying to take a step back and think about the lens that I'm seeing, you know, our situations and our life through. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Totally. 
Yeah. It's, I just love watching journeys and yours is like that, where you've just become empowered and then you become empowered in yourself and then in yourself as a mother and then empowering your kids and just the amazing ripple effect that showing up as your highest and best self can do for us as women, as mothers, as women who run families and businesses and just how amazing and powerful it is to just affect every person that we come in contact with. Yeah, it is. And like, this was something I actually was talking about on one of my social media channels the other day, because I was saying, you know, um, sometimes I can feel because depending on when this episode airs, like within the last week, there were a couple of mass shootings in the US. And Mm -hmm. those things when you when I hear about them, they just feel so heavy. And I, I get to feeling like, I don't know how to help. I don't know what to do. You know, I'm just one little person and I have three young people in my house, little people that are like, I'm hungry. I pooped. I got that, you know? So there's like, I don't know how to get my head above water sometimes to do anything beyond keeping people alive that are under my roof. But then I think about like, okay. Um, but the shifts that I've made in my own example, like in my own life with how I approach birth, birth is such an important thing that I don't think that we, a lot of us don't realize how important it is until we're maybe even after our first birth. And so that shift, I stopped a pattern that was going on in my family with birth. Like I was like, that's it. It stops right here, you know, because I'm not going to have that pattern, um, carry on with my daughter's So the effect that it's going to have on them as they grow up to be young women and the understanding that they're going to have of, you know, birth, just example of birth, and then the effect that it will have, you know, not having that same traumatic experience that will affect their children, you know, and the people that they're around. Um, and so it becomes like this ripple effect. And then when, when I think about the business too, like the women that I work with that send me these messages that just like, I'm like, okay, I am in the right lane. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing where I get messages from people that are like, oh my gosh, I, this and that, and you know, how much it changed my birth experience. And, and I'm like, okay, so working virtually is amazingly powerful, even still, if I'm not there to hold your hand during birth, because now those women, it's the same thing for their lives, because that same ripple effect, they're going to have a different mindset that they're passing on to their daughters and their kids and whoever's around them that they can talk talk to. So it becomes, you know, it's not a huge thing, but it's a lot bigger than sometimes I think we feel like it is if we're just stuck in the confines of our house with a bunch of young children around. So I think like that healing You know, when I feel like I can't do much, you know, with the sad shit that's happening in our country, the awful stuff and, you know, that's happening, it's like, okay, well, maybe I can't go change something huge in our, you know, presidential office right now. Maybe I can't do that right now, but I can do this, you know, and whatever that this is for us, for you, then, you know, that is big, even if it's just working within your family and healing things within your family, because healing is really like what, what we need more of. So true. And yeah, we can all shine our light in different ways. Yeah. That's such an important message. Yeah. You do a lot of healing, you know, your web, your podcast, like all of your guests, like everybody's touching on something. And really a lot of it is like love and healing and in different ways. And that's, that is healing people when they hear about stuff and they're like, Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. And they start to shift their perspective. Like that's all, that's all change, like huge change. Yeah. We're all spreading light in different ways. And I was actually just talking about this the other day about how we, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for how much we just being ourselves and showing up as ourselves can help heal others. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it does for sure. Um, and I struggled with that for a while because I felt like, well, having an online presence only, is that going to really help anybody? Is that going to be effective? Um, but I, I, decided that it would be. And I set the intention that it would be. And I realized how powerful, like the coaches and people that I hire or my mentors that I hire, we work virtually too. And they have a huge impact on my life. So I'm like, you know, it's, I'm, I'm taking that same model and just adjusting it to work with pregnant women. And, you know, maybe I'm not going to be there to hold their hand while they push the baby out, but that's okay. You know, there's still a lot that goes into preparing mentally, physically, and, you know, emotionally really like for birth. Um, and it's, it's huge, you know, and even the virtual help has been, it makes such a big difference. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on this podcast and having these types of conversations has really helped me unpack and heal from my own birth, because I think had I had this platform before giving birth, I don't know if I would have been ready for it, but I think I would have had a different birth experience. But like we said before, we, we kind of need those experiences to bring us to where we are. Yeah. So as you know, I like to end this podcast on just wise words for anyone listening who might need to pick me up today or just that encouragement to keep going. So what are your wise words to end on? I think, um, the, the best thing I can say that would apply to every part of your life, but especially to new motherhood, um, because that's kind of my jam, uh, pregnancy and new motherhood is to listen to and trust your intuition. Because I think, you know, society is generally telling us not to do that. You know, we're usually being told to listen to our doctor, listen to your, and doctors are very intelligent people. You know, they study and they can save lives. Like I'm not taking, I'm not discrediting doctors at all. Um, but doctors are practicing medicine. They're practicing. So, you know, take your doctor's advice, go get multiple opinions on stuff. But at the end of the day, listen to yourself too. you know, take it and sit with it, take their advice and sit with it and listen to your intuition. And that's, I think, where if you are allowing yourself to be guided by your intuition through pregnancy, through birth, through changing that baby's first diaper, like all of the things, if you go with that, they call it mother's intuition, but expand on that even, and just all of your intuition, like that is like your answers. Thank you for listening to the Enlightened Podcast, a movement that empowers mindful motherhood and celebrates every journey. If you would like to be part of our community of amazing and soulful women, find us on Instagram at Enlightenedhood. For real motherhood stories and inspirational articles, you can check us out online at enlightenedhood.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Until next time, you mindful mamas. Music